Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life with intentional mastery. Enjoy a survey of inspiring topics such as abundance, intention, health, manifestation, love, and transformation. It's all right here. Leading authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs with stories and messages to support your well-being, let alone your most evocative dreams hey 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 it's another groovy day and why is that you might ask because that's the way i make it when i get up in the morning i decide it's going to be a groovy day and the rest of the day has a map it's going to be groovy and if something ungroovy happens all i have to do is think about when i got up and how groovy i made it and it comes back now wait a second you said you were having some knee pain this morning is that groovy that's groovy (laughs) That just keeps me humble. That's that, right. That, that little knee ache is just like, okay, you're not Superman. So it reminds you that you're human, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's still groovy though, because look, I still got a smile. There you go. Welcome to Life Master Radio, the talk show that brings you great thoughts and ideas for you to use on your very own life mastery journey. Jackie and I are here. That's Jackie. And Hello. before we get started. Let's we we have we have a very spiritual person on, so I got to be on my best behavior. So, before we get started, let's get ourselves centered and situated. Let's take in a deep breath, all the way down, deep deep breath, and just let that breath out with a big ah. Just let your essence flow up through your heart chakra, the throat chakra, and right out of your speaker box and out into the universe. Uh, Let's do that one more time. And this time, I want you to focus and concentrate and think about your dreams, visions, and goals. It's a brand new baby year. 2021 is upon us, and this year is going to be filled with so many opportunities. So think about it. Think about that business. We're going to talk a lot about business, maybe, or not maybe, we are, and and niching your business down. So think about your dreams, visions, and goals, and what you, let's, let's use the title of the show, what you were born to be. Deep breath in. Think about those, and let that breath out with a big, ah, just let your essence flow places right out of your speaker box out into the universe uh, and for sure allow the universe the opportunity to make those come true for you got it do it got okay. it okay 
Are you? Are, look at Jackie smiling. I think I, I got her guest. She's giggling. I got. A, I got. A, I got everybody in the group so far. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. How are you today, my friend? Hey, I don't have knee pain, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing. I'll try. It is a good thing. Yeah, now I'm doing good. It's uh, we've had some interesting weather. It's been cold here, but it's been sunny. That's why my knee hurts. That's right. I know those aches and pains start coming when it gets a little colder. So. Whereabouts are you, Jackie? Which part of the United States? We are in Seattle, Washington, USA. Um, Todd's okay. a little bit further north than I am, but we're in the same general area. Nice. Yeah. So, and we and you are in Mexico City right now. That's right. Yeah. I, I have a uh, daughter actually that lives in Mexico City. She's uh, she is my, I guess my exchange daughter. She wow. she spent a summer with us as an exchange student when my biological daughter and her were both sixteen years old, and uh, mm -hmm. so we've stayed real close to her since then. And so it is. She loves it. She loves Mexico City and thinks it's. Great. I love it. Honestly, I see. It, I know how she feels. This place is incredible. I mean. Yeah. The it's beautiful country the weather i have to say i don't like the bad weather and england because i'm originally from uk and right now it's their winter and it's cold people are having to try and get warm which is just oh <laughs> that's not my that's not my thing yeah you I look like you're take... dressed for summer yeah <laughs> she does doesn't she i just want to take a minute and remind our listeners that you are tuned in to life mastery radio with todd and jackie that's jackie in the red sweater and anything we talk about today will be on our show page. We have a show page at www.lifemasteryradio.net or .com, whichever one you prefer. You can go there and any links that we talk about with our guests today will be right there. And we have a link there to her webpage. We might have to update it because I think she, I found a couple of web pages. Goodness, she's a busy, busy woman. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie creates a newsletter every week. It's really cool. It comes in your email. That's all we use your email for is that newsletter. And it highlights who's been on the show, who's coming on the show. And Jackie creates a blog post every week about the show that we did. So it's really cool. It's a great way to stay informed. And you can get that newsletter in your email. How how else can they do it? They could text something, can't they, Jackie? They can. They can take out the smartphone that we all live with every day now. It's like with us every day, even more than our spouse or significant other. It's <laughs> and, my and brains. It's, it's my right. brains, really. It's my brain. Take that my... out. <laughs> and uh, we open up the text box and we type in 22828. So 22828. And then type in the subject line, Life Mastery Radio, and then you're going to get a uh, text message back asking for your email and a phone number. That's it. And then you're signed up. And then that's all we use that for. You're never going to get anything else that you don't want from us. It's just going to be a weekly newsletter. You'll get to read our blog, posts about the previous guest and who's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that's all we use it for. We're good. We're good to you. <laughs> And we are all about giving you great thoughts and ideas for you to use on your very own life mastery journey. There, a little shameless plug. Okay. That's right. On with the show. Our guest today is Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith, a.k.a. Da, 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 Rebecca, the film doctor. Interesting story. Totally interesting. 
She was born in Worcestershire, United Kingdom, from humble beginnings, working as a personal assistant at lots of corporate companies. She worked her way up to become an award-winning consultant and media personality who now has more than 10 years of film festival strategy consulting experience. After choosing not to pursue a career in academia teaching film studies, Rebecca, Rebecca began her film industry career in 2009, working as one of the producers of Wales' most successful national film festivals. During that time, she began to develop a great knowledge of the film, film festival business. I got too many Fs today. Yeah. <laughs> which led to her to become inspired to start her own innovative company in an industry that she loved. She decided to record her hard one knowledge in her new book, Born to Do It, becoming the leader of a business niche using powerful spiritual techniques to help others who are pondering that leap into entrepreneurship or are already on the journey but yearning for more success and profitability. How's that feel, Rebecca? Did we pump you up big enough? That was great. That is my journey, my story. I, I think so, yeah. that's probably something you already wrote, but I, I thought it was good. <laughs> How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm very busy with my business and excited to promote my book and loving it here in Mexico City. It's really nice because I think the sun helps in terms of getting more creatively um attuned to your body because when it's dark and cold you don't want to do anything then do you it's nice and to say flowing in so i'm really grateful that i'm here yeah we are grateful too you know i heard you say something that was really cool that on it was a video i did a little research this month just a little bit of research i kind of stalked around a little bit just checking <laughs> out who who is this who is this woman we're bringing on the show but you said something that kind of perked my ears and that was, you know, you, you spent many years, you got a master's, you got a PhD, you pursued something that you thought was supposed to be what you were supposed to do. And after spending all that time, all of a sudden, boom, something else came into your reality. But the curious thing you said is, is that you would not have had the, I think, I don't know if you said confidence, but you would not have had the abilities to move into that if you had not done the master's and PhD. Did I get that right? That's correct. Because I, I thought, and the reason why I thought this was because people told me I should do a PhD because I was a big fan of Tarantino and his films and I studied him all my life. But it actually wasn't what I wanted to do deep down or what my sole purpose was. But I'm grateful that I did my PhD, because looking back on it, is that all the work that goes in to writing and preparing a PhD is extremely important project management skills that you never learn anywhere else. So because I know now how to break down a huge, overwhelming project to bite-sized chunks, I do that with every single project I work on for a client, so I know exactly how to get the minute details out and not miss things with my team so that was thanks to the phd because that is literally having to break everything down into bite-sized tiny chunks otherwise it just gets it's too much and it was at one point i get to a point when i was writing it i couldn't cope but then when i was taught how to break it down to smaller bite-sized chunks and pieces it actually is then much less stressful 
Well, your journey is kind of interesting because obviously it's pretty obvious that your passion was film or is it is, is it more acting maybe or anything to do with film or performance maybe? Uh, the thing I love most about the film industry is obviously seeing filmmakers make incredible pieces of work by themselves or no budgets or whatever they're doing. But also what I love most is the distribution side of the film industry. Right. So and my like point was, is you had a passion. Let's just say, okay, I had, you had this passion that was building up inside of you. You got your PhD and you were going to teach film. Yep. But then you niched it down. See, I'm kind of a niche guy. And I think that we all have these passions and these big audacious dreams and goals about something, but finding that niche is really, really key. So that's, that's my point. You were passionate about film and then you found your niche in helping content producers help them find a way to market and get into festivals. Did I get that? That's correct. Get, I like getting the films out there. I love Getting it. them out there. There you go. There. But this happened because of a horror film festival, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. Well, so, we, yeah. <laughs> so fill us in a little bit more on the details of your journey in that you thought your path was one, one path, but then because of an opportunity, it actually put you on a different path. Tell us a little bit more about how that worked for you. Yeah, that was really interesting, that part of my journey, because when I moved to Aberystwyth in Wales, where I was studying for my PhD, my plan was, as I said, to you know teach and study and write. And it was getting a bit to the point where writing day in, day out in isolation was a little bit lonely, and I wanted to be with more people and do stuff. And it was have social things, but in the day, it can be a bit like a draining. So a friend of mine who moved from another part of UK to Wales was asked by the film council in Wales to create a horror film festival because there was no horror film festivals in the UK and Wales at that time. And they wanted to do it in Aberystwyth because it has a huge student population and horror is popular with students. So he said to me, I've been asked to do this. Do, do you want to help? Because I, I need some help with it. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. It's a happy distraction from the PhD. It gives me something to do to get out in the house and be more hands-on. So this like hobby, do it occasionally and commit to it maybe kind of thing, actually became something that I realized I was born to do. And it was at that time when I tapped into my sole purpose. I didn't know what a sole purpose was at that time. I just knew that when I was doing the festival, that meaning, you know, producing it with the team and organizing it, meeting filmmakers. I came alive and felt more like myself. I hadn't felt that previously. I think this it seems to be my passion. Or is it? Because I'm supposed to be doing academia. So I was in like a limbo mode. So I said to myself, let me think about this. And at a conference, a friend of mine said, wow, don't you think academia is like the best thing in the world? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I love my PhD, my but I love my PhD, but but no, it's not forever. And I think now is a time that I need to finish the PhD, complete it, do what I've set out here to do, and then I need to move on to the film industry. Because then, when I was producing the festival, that's when the idea for my company came up as well. There was a gap in the market, so all this stuff was like happening quite quickly. I just felt alive, myself, happier. Um, in my element and literally like the hours pass like the days very long with the festival you'd be doing 16 hour days or more 
and even 20 sometimes like four hours sleep each night wow. it didn't bother me because it just you could just the time flew by for me it was like an hour of the day gone not 24. Hmm. so what, that is that the key then to to knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing yes it is because i didn't know what it, as i mentioned i didn't know anything about soul purpose spirituality back in 20, 2010 2009 i was like, I knew a bit, but I didn't know much. I didn't go delve into it deeper until many years later. But at the time, yes, you're right. It was very much like I knew this was what I was supposed to do. And I remember reading up about a soul purpose many years later. And they said, you know, a soul purpose, I mean, you can, you know, feel like you can do, you can spend hours doing and time passes, lunch and dinner don't happen. You just go through that. Um, and also you feel drawn to it each morning. Every time I woke up, I'd be drawn to film distribution, the festival, getting films out there, film festivals generally. I feel like very much this is what I love doing. I just can't wait to get back to a live festival again, honestly. But yeah, it feels, it just felt great. And I didn't feel that same pull to my PhD. Yeah. Feel it. You know, something else that I heard you say that really perked my ears, because it's true for me too, is you said something along the lines that, that you... I lost my train of thought <laughs> that, that you, Oh, some of my best gifts really required no effort on my part. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I literally, it was effortless producing the festival. It was effortless. Um, just literally doing the whole kind of festival job. I mean, there'd be a challenging because it's a lot to organize. You've got to look after filmmakers. It's a lot of things to do. Then we have a, there was a great team of us. There was Nia, there was Gaz, there was Reese. They work there still now and they're brilliant. And it is still a slick, amazing um, show. And it's a really varied show because it's not just screening films. It also was doing a live performance of piano uh, alongside a live performance of, of um, a silent film. There'd be talks, there'd be music. You know, it was a big thing to put on on a small budget, but it just felt easy it wasn't like stress or wasn't like getting up and like oh this again it's great you know kind of now thing. were you volunteering to do this at this point or was this something that you'd signed up to be paid to do I was volunteering at this point. um so yeah it was very different it was uh, but then I did get paid for going to festivals to scout for films that's where I learned more about the industry ah. um so I was doing that and then I found a gap in the market whilst I was producing the festival I was said to filmmakers what do you like and dislike about film festivals and they all said oh we love film festivals but we actually don't know what we're doing we don't know who to ask and who to help to get our films into festivals and strategize because we're just the best and just going online and seeing what comes out of it and you can't do that nowadays anyway it's just, it's a lot more festivals out there it's a lot more overwhelming so yeah you have to really have a plan and I was like oh I can do this because I love doing what I'm doing here, but also I feel like I've got a gift now that I can help people do it because I'm learning what festivals want, I'm getting festival connections, I know what's happening around the circuit. I mean, I'm new to it, but I definitely can give this a go. Wow. So you That's just me. were open for answers to problems or challenges that these filmmakers were facing. And you said, hey, I will fix that for them. <laughs> or help them. So, or help them. Or help them, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big part of it, right, Rebecca, is, is finding that niche where you can help others. Exactly, exactly. And I love that niche because it is a very niche one. I mean, at the time, there was, as I said, nobody doing 
this at the time at all. It was, but well, I mean, there was like literally maybe one company that I saw online. I did my research on him because he was, he still does it now and he's absolutely brilliant. And I really liked his business model. I liked how he did consultancies. There was something still missing because what he did, I mean, he was great. The fact that he offered one-to-one consultancies to help people, you know, how to get their films into festivals. But there was no service, like a hands-on service where he was like doing all the work on the behalf of the client, which is what I wanted to do to like get really hands-on. But people said, you know, you've got, you've got nothing to work against. You, you can't, like, you haven't got anything to develop. You've got to create it all by yourself. And you've got to work for free to prove this works first because no one's going to invest in you. You know, it's a widely known thing, doing something really niche here. So you've got to be prepared to, you know, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. And I was like, I can do this, but it was trial and error. And it was a lot of you know, work to do, but I persisted and there was a market for it and there's a thriving market for it now. So people nice. always my service. Very cool. Wow. So how many film festivals then have you been associated with since you found that path? Well, I've now built up like over 500 contacts at festivals, right from Cannes, biggest one in the world, through to, you know, small, amazing boutique festivals, everything. So I have a nice, a nice selection. And we've had lots of films and festivals around the world, like, you know, hundreds, more than that, probably almost a thousand. But actually, we've won just under a thousand awards. We're at 950 eight awards we've won for our clients so far. Oh my gosh. I think Hoping by the end of this year it'll be big. I think we have a big one around here, right? Have you ever heard of the Seattle Film Festival? Yeah, we've had um, we've had two films at Seattle Film Festival. We had a South African feature film called Kalushi that did really well there. That's a really great festival. And it's a big deal around here. It's a big deal generally, yeah. Not just in Seattle, but it's bigger globally. Yeah. Lovely people that run it. That's So has cool. the pandemic affected any of these festivals? Have they had to do things a different way? Yes, you're right. It's been doing things a different way. So festivals have moved successfully online. Now, not everybody likes online festivals. It's very different to obviously in person. Mm-hmm. They work because people behind it now, really, the festival um, producers have really figured out how to really nail it. And they've done a great job getting this sorted out because, I mean, it was stressful. Um, at first, when the pandemic kicked off at the end of March, every day I got emails of festivals having to postpone and reschedule or go online. And in the beginning, no one knew what to do. So it's like put up on Vimeo. But now they have a lot more like better platforms where you can like offer cinema quality, you know, watching it on, on your on your PC or on your on your um, television. So they have done really well. I mean, it's a lot different. And it is, you know, it's not the same thing, but it works. And it's what the pandemic has shown is how important laurels are. But the, they're what's called the official selection, you know, Seattle Film Festival or winner Seattle Film Festival. Those rosettes are because it does help in terms of getting your film sold, getting it noticed, spreading with the surface, getting the filmmaker exposure. They are a big deal. They're a very big deal. Um, and the pandemic has just highlighted how important those laurels are, whether it be online or in-person festivals. Um, I can't wait to get back to live events, obviously, but the hybrid model is working, which is half online, half in-person. We've obviously reduced capacity theatres, hand sanitizing, drive-in cinemas have made a comeback. So there's been a big shift in the festival world, which I've been seeing every day. I think, I think overall there's been a shift in just about everything. I think yeah. that 
in the future that this has really created some great opportunity and absolutely. it kind of stirred the world up you know absolutely it's just kind of like hey we need, we need to mix this up no absolutely no you're spot and i really agree with you on that because festivals even said as you just said festivals have realized how valuable the online model is to reach a global audience and say just a local one yeah totally this is going to stay not maybe not online forever and no live more a case of supplements so it'll be on the side to get them more people to see it who can't make it to the festival for whatever reason or can't travel yet for whatever reason so it has and i do like the way that i can on zoom go to japan tomorrow and go to germany when you're I, in seattle right now have, have, i'm in seattle now a place that i love so yes exactly actually we're global we're, yeah. we're, all, we're all over yeah well that's really <laughs> cool so so this little journey then, then motivated you or you got the idea to put it on paper. How did that all come about? My book. Uh, so again, another accident. <laughs> so right. That's, that's yeah. my point, right? So Massive accidents to the best. I'll into it. It just happened. It just happened. So with the book, um, my normally my routine and my schedule is literally every day, every other day I'll be on a plane, going to festivals, going internally to somewhere, traveling wow. on whatever. I'm always on the go. I never stay in one place for like more than a week uh, because it's events, festivals, whatever. I'm always there. Um, and I do miss that, obviously. But then the pandemic was nice to... Have you always been, have you always had gypsy blood in you? Yes, I must have done. <laughs> it must be my blood. It's past life. Um, so I, that was my routine was changed, but I was still very busy because obviously my business was adapting my business, which was great to adapt it to the online world and still thrive. And I was busy with clients, you know, the usual thing, busier than before. And then I was asked to partake in a interview, like a depth interview for an Indian book about my career and my journey, my, my journey. So I, you know, did that quite fine. And then the publisher read it and was like, wow, have you ever thought about writing your own story? And I said, no, never. And she said, well, let's have a talk because there's something in here that needs to get out. I was like, okay. So we had this conversation and I realized after we spoke that yes, there is a book inside of me. And what I want to do is talk about um, how to find your soul purpose, like I did at the festival, and then how to start up your first business when you're honing on your niche to, um, using the business, um, business, business practices and spiritual techniques to make a solid infrastructure for what you should be doing in your life. So it's not like a novel. It is like a how-to book, but it's not a boring, dry how-to book. A shelf-help book, right? Yeah, it's a self-help personal book. Oh, shelf. I meant the shelf. shelf we help. put it on the shelf. Oh, yeah. It's oh. definitely not like a book on the floor. Um, but it is different. It's not, as I say, a dry business book. It's a business meets spirituality book. And it's more a book that is a personal story, but obviously draws upon very important um, techniques and practices and concepts. But it's not a heavy epidemic book at all. It's very, very accessible. No, it's a really good read. It's a really easy read. You have your personal stories. You reflect on other people's stories. And you brilliantly apply the principles and show people how to do it. So I think it's it's a step-by-step, -step, here's how I did it, and you can do it too. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's what I wanted. To, I'm glad you got that. I wanted to put it out there to people. Because I actually, I saw the book as work. So I put it into my routine because I don't really watch any rubbish TV. It just, I was at 10 festivals online, but I thought, well, in the evenings I'll write and I'll make a commitment each day. And the book didn't take long to write at all. It was like maybe two weeks. We planned in particular, wow. planned it to the end, like a week of planning, like really throughout planning each evening. 
and then writing it. So obviously it was indoors, nothing was open. Then I wrote it and I committed to writing it. And I just let it flow and flow and flow. And then it didn't take long at all. And my publisher was like, wow, that is the quickest book. Then we had an editor come in and she was brilliant just to like tighten it up. And she was excellent. And now that's why I'm really glad that it is the book it, I was meant to write. And I'm very proud of it. And I, I can't wait to keep getting it out there further and wide. We've also got talks about publishing it here in Spanish. So obviously Mexico City, they, obviously they don't speak English, but Spanish, Spanish was the first language and people did say, I'd love to read it, but do you have a Spanish version? So now we're thinking of doing it in Spanish, Spanish as well. Oh, I'm sure it will get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a chapter in your book. I think it's titled How, How You Find Your Niche, right? Yes. So yes. What, what are some things that you present in your book for our audience who might be wondering, oh, there's got to be more to life. And how do I find that? How do I figure out what my purpose is and what I should be doing? So what would you tell someone like that? So it is really important about that, the niche chapters is a very important one in the book. So obviously at the beginning, it talks about talking about how to tune into what it is that you're supposed to be doing for a career and your life and your why. And then the niche is really important because when you're too broad, that's when you're not be able to target your target market, not be able to really get your message out. So one of the things that my business um, coach, Ed J.C. Smith taught me was about really homing in on your niche. And it was a brilliant course I did with him. And it taught me so much about how to like articulate your model and also your business. So he told me this, he said, for example, um, let's say that you're an expert in social media. Now that's a niche, definitely a niche, but hang on, Let's make it really laser focused to then really for you to be seen as an expert in your field and to get your clientele to come and work with you. And they said, okay, so social media is a niche, but what aspect? Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, Twitch, Instagram, which one of those are you the best at? And be like, okay, I'm best at Facebook. Now, what part of Facebook? So can you offer a service where you feel really like an expert and know the inside out about making video content for small businesses to sell more of their products? Is it um, creating educational videos, people to learn how to use Facebook? What is it exactly? And you think, okay, well, I'm best at Facebook marketing. So that is laser into your niche. So that then narrows your market. The social media is way too big a niche. You know, you've got so many platforms. You want to do all of them. You won't be able to really stand out as an expert because it's putting yourself thin. When you really focus on one aspect, one area that you are the best at, and that's what you've got to focus on for your business. And then think, if, is, there, is there a market? And obviously, yes, there is with social media and businesses when I use it all the time, like every day. But then people did say to me with my business, they said, well, hang on, this is a very niche area. So, okay, the film industry, film distribution, and your micro aspect is film festival distribution, which no one does. Is there a market? And there was. I did my research and there was. And now there is, but it was a very emerging market at the time under the radar. But then I knew there was a market so people needed it. Everyone told me at the festival when I was producing it, we don't, we don't know anybody, we need help, we need help. And they all needed it around the whole festival. There was like 80 people needed it help. And it's still now every day, it's demand and service. People don't know, they realize, people don't know they need the service until they're halfway through their right. festival campaign sometimes. But it is an important essential service, like a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> or, or somebody do your nails, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I see that. <clears throat> well, talk to us a little bit. There's another chapter in your book about failure. How important was that to you and your journey? 
Nice braids, by the way. I just caught a glimpse of that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now that was really important because one of the things I wanted to do is I realized before I became more, did work on me and became more conscious of myself is I was very much wanting to solve every single problem. <laughs> one of the things that filmmakers have is uh, when they make a film, they want to get it out there. So that's what we do, get it out at festivals. Also, they need to recoup the money that we spent on making it. That's their investor or to them, whoever was paid for the film. And that they find very stressful because they rely on that through film sales predominantly and you know, winning prize money to a degree, but predominantly it's getting the film sold to make a large amount of money. Now I don't sell films and that's a whole different market, but I thought I could smash that market. So I thought, well, I've met people who sell films, like people who, so I've met people who distribute films, you know, like Netflix and iTunes, Amazon, I know all those people, but I don't know them, know them how they work. I just know them kind of to a degree at the time. So I thought I can do this. I can help them get the film sold. I'll be a sales agent. That was a massive mistake. Mm. It's a whole different set of contacts, whole different way of working and a whole different area of the film industry than festival management. It's a different area and different world. And it's a very bizarre world. There's a lot of things to do with contracts and rights. It's very overwhelming. So I take my hat off to any sales agent that does that, honestly. But I thought I could do it. So I said, I'm going to help sell a film. And then I realized halfway through, I was in way too deep. I did sell one or two films. I did. And I had help from my colleague, John, who was really good with that. But it wasn't enough for a business or sustainable business. And also it was extremely stressful because I was in deep. So I remember when we had this meeting, it was the worst meeting of my life I've ever had. I remember it vividly now. And we're good friends now, me and the, me and the person I met with. He's actually really lovely. Always refers me to people. He's very nice. Um, but when we had the meeting, it's like, I just didn't know what I was doing. He asked me questions I couldn't give answers to. I had no idea what this was. And I, you can't do that. You can't like not know the answer to a question that a client's gonna ask you. And I just remember when I went home, I felt like a fraud and I went, listen, laid on my sofa and I was just crying that I couldn't do this. So I thought I just need to stop it. So next day I stopped it. Then like two or three years later, um, I met this gentleman called Billy Herman. And Billy actually offers a service that I've been looking for all those years before. And what he does is he helps people find sales agents and distribution for their film. He is a, as, a, as a consultant. So I was like, Billy, you're a star. So then Billy said, yeah, I can help you. Just refer them to me and delegate to me and I'll do it and I'll work with them and you know, charge my fees with them. And he does. So that problem got solved. So when a filmmaker gets, oh, we need to get the money back on the film, we need to sell it, we need to sell it. And they get all stressed. I'm like, oh, talk to Billy. And then Billy sorts it out. And it takes pressure off me and we help mm. them. You found out earlier that that was not part of your niche. That was not. Uh -uh. Oh, no, 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 no. And, and that, that was a that was a, that was a clear indicator that you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Oh, yes. I mean, the health wise, yes, of getting upset and stressed is not good for the body. Um, but it's more a case of just getting that the stress if you just don't know the answer because it's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, when it feels like work, that's not what your sole purpose is, mm. you know just feels effortless with yourself purpose. You can find a solution quite quickly, you know what to do, and you can you can deal with it. Yeah. But when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and it becomes like that level of, of hard graft and to the point where you, you just don't know what to do, it means you shouldn't be doing it. And I just knew deep down, I tried. And we did sell some films, yes, we did, but it was a tiny amount of money because we didn't know who to sell it to properly. There's so much more to think about in that world. Um, so I'm pleased that I managed to find that solution. Even though it was a few years later, it came at the right time. That's good. 
So Rebecca, what I'm hearing you say then is that your niche is probably very focused. And because I know a lot of business owners, they, they have the profitability in mind and they think, well, I have all these skills. I will offer all of these skills to possible customers and I can make money from lots of different ways. Um, which sometimes like, probably could be successful, but what you're saying is that it's far more easier on each individual if you can focus it down to a laser of, of what, what, you, what your niche is and then just focus on that niche. So my question to you is, how do you know if your niche is profitable? How, how do you know that? That's a great question, because the thing, the thing to do is, is there a market? So the way to answer that was what Ed J.C. Smith taught me. So he said, one of the things you need to remember and always need to be aware of is, is there a market? And the way to do that is to do um, uh, your market research. And a good place to start is Zoom. So let's say that, you know, that your um, niche is selling candles. Okay, so you do aromatherapy candles. Is there a market for it? So then let's look around the area. So let's say, let's do a Zoom where we can ask people what they're looking for in candles. And do they want to buy something like this, do like a tester session, you know, send them samples. And if they're going to say yes, definitely. So go well and say, ooh, aromatherapy, um, spas, ooh, hairdressers, ooh, people's houses who have like, you know, essential kind of areas and whatever kind of thing. Then yes, there is. But you've got to do the market research with potential clientele that will be interested in this. So what I did for my business was not Zoom at the time. There was no Zoom back in 2010. <laughs> physically at the um, festival, the Cannes Film Festival. So I said to myself, this, this can work, this business, because there is a market. And I said, I'm sure there is. I'm convinced there is. I'm going to go and talk to people at Cannes. This Cannes is the biggest film festival in the world. Everyone goes there. It's heaving. It's huge. I can definitely talk to people about it. So every time I met somebody, I talked about my business idea. And they went, well, this is great. Um, I mean, I would use it. I mean, price-wise, I have to figure out if it, how many people can afford it in terms of independent filmmaking, but don't you know, go over the top. But I mean, definitely there's a market for it. Everyone said, yes, that was confirmation that they wanted it. They said, you know, you have to work for free in the beginning, as I mentioned earlier, because you're doing something that no one can really trust in yet. So you've got to prove that. And that comes in results. And that means working for free first. And you can then price yourself. Um, but I would want this. Everyone said they wanted it. So if the general consensus is, yes, I would hire this, I would buy this, I would buy this candle, I would hire you, this is a really valuable service, oh my God, let's do it, then yes. I mean, was a, one friend of mine said to me, he said, well, my sole purpose is collecting stamps. Is there a market for that? That's a hobby. I know you can do it for hours every day and the time passes, but it seems a bit difficult to figure out if that actually is profitable business. And he was convinced it was, but I said, well, who would buy the stamps? And he said, it's very, very niche. It might be eBay, but a business to run sustainably, to grow, I don't think you can do that. And he said, no, maybe a long time I couldn't, but for now it's good as a hobby and a bit of extra pocket money on the side. Definitely pocket money, nothing else but that. Hmm. Okay. A good, a good question to ask, I think, in that situation is how will this help others? How will it help others? The book. No, no, the, the, the niche, niche that you're considering. Oh, yeah. sorry, the niche. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, just make that. Stamps. And <laughs> yeah. how, can I, how many other people are there around? That's your market research, right? And it's like exactly really, really small. And 
how many people am I actually going to help with my service or my product? Exactly. I mean, for example, with the film industry, that is a niche, but it's a big niche because there are lots of filmmakers around the world. Not everybody's a filmmaker, but there's a lot of filmmakers <laughs> These around days the world. With, with smartphones and cameras. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like really popular even with like an iPhone. So it's insane. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that can make films, but there's a lot of, that's a big niche. And when you think about it with like, when I thought it's a very small niche, I mean, there's a lot of filmmakers, but they're not as big as say, everybody around the world is in spirituality. It's like a bigger niche. You have to really make sure that you do stand out in that niche. Because the bigger the niche, the harder it is to stand out. Mm. And there's only like three or four of us that do what I do on a full-time basis. So again, it's still niche because people need this type of experience to do it properly and to really know how to do it right. I think um, I think my, my thought on that is, if you think that you're going to reach everyone, you're probably not going to reach anyone. Right? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like I would say, I want to meet, I want to reach every single filmmaker. I mean, a lot of people in the UK know of the brand. They've heard of me or heard of it or recognize it, or they know me. And so it's like the UK is a small country and there are lots of filmmakers, but I don't know every single filmmaker in the UK. I love it when I get people email me and they discover me and they hear about me and they're in the UK. It's great. Even though people will think it's so tiny and it is a small country, but you know, the niche is big. But I did have that thing where I thought everyone knows me now in the UK, but it's like actually, they still discover me. So the brand lives on and has that promise still going. And the same like with spirituality. If you think you're going to be everybody, you think you want everybody to know you in the spiritual world, then again, you're right because it's insanely huge. Right. You're spread too thin, right? Yeah. And, and your whole your whole focus is being focused, finding that niche and that group where that niche applies, and yeah. fostering and working with them until, you know, then word of mouth and and it, and it grows from there. Exactly. Word of mouth is my favorite. I love it. I love word of mouth. When people everything. I looked at my business stats of the day with my business coach, and literally, eighty percent, no, ninety percent of work comes through word of mouth yeah. and the bit will eventually. be eventually eventually it took yes. some work in front in the beginning it did not happen in the beginning <laughs> it was me having to sell it but it's so nice when people come to me i haven't got to search for for films to work on because they come to me which is a, which is the best thing i love discovering them when they come my way in the beginning it was very much like you know me going all around the place trying to find stuff um but then that's what it's like thinking of a business anyway yeah now is that is that the outcome by using the big domino statement, which I think you, yes. you describe in your book, that an outcome of that is that word of mouth marketing that happens. So do you want to talk a little bit about the big domino statement and what that is? Yeah, the big domino statement is one that Ed J. Smith um, also taught me. And it is very much like stating what you do, how you can solve the problem and why they should invest. Mm. About the desires and fixing the pain. So you say... I am, so what you do, and then you say your method, and then you then say, can heal your pain to reach your desire. So the benefit, they have to think, we'll have to invest. So when, when I meet people, I used to be quite difficult trying to, when I talked about my business, I used to hate it because I didn't know what to say, but now I know what to say. And people would say to me, so what do you do? I say, well, I work in the area of film distribution. We help our clients get their films seen in festivals around the world using my expertise and my knowledge of the film festival industry. They'd be like, oh, well, I'm trying to get my film into festivals, but I don't know quite what to do, or I'm sick of it because I'm getting, not getting any results, but I'm trying to put it into the festivals. I don't know what to do. And they'd get you know, quite stressed. And then I'd say, well, 
how we fix that is we use our knowledge and experience and contacts from the festival circuit to put it in the right festivals to get results. It was that, wow, well, let, let, let's talk more, let's talk more. So then they have to invest because they know you can solve their, their problem, heal the pain and reach their desire. So I say, you know, if you want to win festivals and awards and get it seen, that's what I can help you with. And they're like, ah, great. So it's a way succinctly of saying how they can, how you can fix the problem without having to try and sell the service to them. It's more, right. we can fix it. And then they have the, ah, let's do that then. Well, that's well, an important part is creating that pitch, right? Yeah. Do you have any tips or, or, or secrets into creating that pitch? Yes. My um, business strategist, she was amazing in terms of like how to create a sales pitch. And she told me the secret is you speak 20% of the time, they speak 80% of the time. So you ask them questions like, what are the problems? What are you experiencing the difficulty? What previous experience have you had trying to solve this problem? Who else have you called in to solve the problem? So it's very much like not throwing information to them, like blah, blah, this is what I do. It's more like, <laughs> what's the problem here? And how are you having, how are you experiencing the problems? You know, going through it with them, having a conversation and building trust and getting rapport at the same time. So that by the end of it, you can say, well, okay, well, these problems here are fixed in this way using my methodology and to get you those results in this way so that we can talk more and then we close the deal. So it's a lot more simpler than having to push yourself and talk at them. It's talking with them, not at them. And letting the product sell itself. Exactly, exactly. It's like in my book, people talk about the book and they say, it's about film festivals. I'm like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> um, it's actually a very different to that. It's actually a book that is in the spiritual business market. And that's what, what I was going to ask next is what, me too, me what are too. the spiritual I know what you're going to say. Yeah, what are the spiritual tools that you talk about then in your methodology? Yes. So we talk about manifestation, vision boards, um, cosmic ordering, and feng shui for business. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So pick one of those <laughs> and go a little deeper. <laughs> cosmic ordering is a big one. I, I, I really ordering. like your take on that. So talk about that one. Cosmic Order is a big one. So Ellen Watts is my book publisher and her company, Butterfly House Publishing, published the book. And she was the one that convinced me to get this book out of me. So I was grateful for her for that. So she talked to me when I first met her, I Googled her, but then one of my um, spiritual businesses, sorry, one of my spiritual coaches talked about Cosmic Ordering. And he said that when he met his now wife, she wrote this like list, like an order of what she wanted in a partner. And he liked all those boxes on the list and she placed the order. I was like, well, that's interesting. So I didn't think of it much until later in the year, in like 2016. Then I found her book, Cosmic Ordering Made Easier, online. So I read it from cover to end and loved it. She talks about how you co-create with the universe by placing cosmic order. So it's not really like manifestation. It's similar. Obviously, manifestation, you know, affirm what you want and very clear and you have your vision in your head or on paper. This is more like asking for what you want and to collaborate with the universe. So she says, what you do is you say, what I really want is to get a parking space upon my arrival to Condisa High Street. At the end, you say, the good of all concerned. She doesn't want you to like anyone else to lose out for you to gain. So it's all a very harmonious um, order. And she says, just like going to a restaurant. So you just order for you, not anyone else, for you. And you order what you want. For example, lemonade and fries. So you're Pacific, you're clear, Focus, like I just said with the parking space, I wanna get a parking space when I get to Condista High Street in Mexico City. So then you say those magical words and you say this will, this will work. 
And I thought, hmm, let me try the parking order. So I, I did a parking order in, I mean, getting a, getting a parking space in London, when I was living at London at the time, is horrendous. It's, all, <laughs> it's never a space. So I thought this will be a good challenge for the universe. And literally driving around, I thought, okay, oh, a car was a person out. I was in the next line. I got the space. I was like, this does work. You can do it for everything, not just car parking spaces, but everything. So for example, um, I do it in my business infrastructure in the following way. So every morning I place a cosmic order where I ask to get uh, one new business lead each day. I also place one to uh, one of my films to get into a film festival. And I also place one sometimes that can be more spontaneous, like in the moment, like I want to get maybe an email coming about doing a fashion collaboration or something like that. So it's all for you and for the good and for your clients and for you. You can't place orders that are karmic and you obviously can't place orders for people that don't want it. Mm. It's about what you want, the good of all concern of your highest good. Wow. Very, very cool and very powerful when you practice. And it's like, you know, it's like exercising. You have to practice. You have to, yes. you have to keep up with it. And But eventually Absolutely. it's magical. It's and I do it every single day I, without fail. I have a morning routine where I do my affirmations, cosmic orders. And also in the moment they come in, like, for example, when I'm sending emails, it gets there, I get a response positively. Um, you have to let go, obviously, when you place the order. You have to let go. Otherwise... Um, if you get all jiggery and worried about how it will come through, you might well, miss won't come in. Detaching mm. from outcomes. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So if you place a cosmic order for a parking spot, but then in the next 15 minutes while you're driving there, you're worried about it and you're stressed about, you exactly. know, what are my alternatives? Then it's not going to happen for you because you've, you've probably missed the opportunity. You've created that image that you already don't have it. Mm. Exactly. So you create lack. Also, I did change the wording a bit because she says, what I really want is blah. So I like to say what I would really love and appreciate because I don't want to have too much luck. You know, I want this parking space. I haven't got one. I haven't got this. I haven't got that client. Not like that. More a case of what I would really love and appreciate is how I just tweak it. I mean, it's either one is either one doesn't really matter, but that's just how my mindset is trained to not think too much of luck, but just like what I really love and appreciate is to have this at the other and whatever. And it, and it all right. I did it yesterday because I was waiting for a box to come from UPS and it was draining. It was horrendous getting this parcel. And I said, right, you know what? I really love and appreciate because I'm busy this afternoon is to have this parcel arrive um, within the next hour. And it did. And it was wow. there. And I was like, wow, 2.50 p.m. it comes in. And it was there. And I said, it's ready for you to collect. I was like, yes. And then I went straight there and they were like, all right, it's just come in. Here you go. So it's fine. Wow. It's a practice. It's a That's practice. Powerful. You know, and... And just hearing you describe it, Rebecca, it's just like, you know what, Todd, you've gotten out of practice. You were, you, were, you know, there was a time when it was a big part of my life, like it is yours now. And I reached the point, Rebecca, and this might be hard to believe, but you probably can agree, is I had to be really careful what I thought about. Yes. Yes, you do. You do. Absolutely. No, you do. Um, because it's very much, if you, if you get too, I don't know, too attached to an outcome or... And you think that goes a bit mad. You don't want to have that. So it needs to be, as you say. It's a practice. Yeah, and, and you get good results. So ladies, we just have about five minutes left. Rebecca, how do we find you? I know you have two websites. Yes. So we have um, my personal brand website, which contains all information about me and the book is RebeccaLouisaSmith.com. And we have that link up on Life Mastery Radio. Brilliant. And for more information about my business, the film festival doctor, 
uh, where you can learn all about how we work and our success stories and how you can figure out how to get your film scene in festivals with us is the filmfestivaldoctor.com. Nice. Now, do you oh. take interns if there's young people that are wanting to get into the film industry? Is that a good place for them to start yeah. as... Is, yes, is, I am. In fact, I'm looking for one right now to help me with my book and to get that more out there and more outreach uh, is a big thing, which I'm looking for right now. I've got one girl who's working hard in terms of helping me do some research. Yes, I'm looking for interns without a doubt. Um, I'd love that. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, so do you have any programs or anything like that coming up? Or um... Well, the thing is, we were. I'm planning on, I was supposed to be doing it March 2021. I don't know if I probably can, but to do a book tour around the US with the book. But I think what I'll do now is change that because of what's happened here mm. to um, doing that in Mexico City, the Spanish version. So then we'll go with the US when we get there with the English version. Well, well we let us know when you get to the US. We'll we'll host a, a signing or something for you. We can do that. Especially in the Seattle area. Yeah. You oh, gotta, yes. you got you to time it just right for the Seattle Film Festival. Oh, exactly. That happens exactly. in January, doesn't it? Or February? It's, well, well, normally it's in May, but it might not be May, it might be delayed. But yeah, they didn't get, they didn't happen last year because they, they didn't want to go online and they couldn't with the, all that. But they have actually now raised more funds. So it might be able to be maybe a hybrid one. We're not sure, but they're planning on doing it at some point in the year. But it's a great festival, so I definitely want to be there for it. Have you been in Seattle before? No, our clients went, my client went, he went with the film. But no, I haven't been there before. I'd love to go. We're, we're, we're open arms for you to come into <laughs> the right. Evergreen State and the, Ever, the Emerald City. Oh, nice. Beautiful. It really is. We have about three minutes left, Rebecca. Is there anything we missed? Anything? I, I, I certainly hope you had fun today with us. I, I did. had a blast. It was great. And, and your dog is cute. Oh, there was thank you. Yes, was Thank you. <laughs> I hope you'll come back because there's lots more that I think we could cover. But is there anything, anything in particular that you want to make sure we know? Um, well, for those who read the book, thank you for purchasing it. And I do hope that you learn a lot from it and it helps you on your journey. Cool. Thanks thank for you. showing up as you and being you today. It was, it was such a joy. Jackie, was... takeaways. I know you're, you're, you're copious at taking notes and you have all these notes in front of you. Well, I've, so much information today, Rebecca, you are just a wealth of knowledge for so many reasons. And what I think is most extraordinary about you is that your book is not about what you do. It's about the way that you've discovered to live life fully <laughs> doing yeah. what you, what you want to do. And that's what makes it so unique and special. And so I'm, I'm going to take a lot of the knowledge I've gained from you today and apply that in my own really, life. And I appreciate you. that. That's it's really inspiring. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all we have time for today. I want to remind you that all the links that we talked about are at www.lifemasterradio.net or .com. And you can sign up for our newsletter. Check out our Facebook page. Tell your friends about Life Mastery Radio, the coolest show on the planet. We have all the coolest guests. Jackie and I, we... We kind of fumble through it, right, Jackie? We get, we get her done, though. Hey, speak for yourself. And, and we have some really cool people like the lady in braids that we had today. Right. Lastly, please, please make it a great day because it is all about choice.
and you can choose to read Rebecca's book too. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific time and learn how to live a peaceful life. For more information on Todd and his guests, visit his website at www.lifemasteryradio.net. That's www.lifemasteryradio.net. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.